you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The Around the NFL podcast does not believe in Zach Mettenberger. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. What did Zach Mettenberger ever do? I don't like that blanket statement. Guy literally probably buried on the bench for the next 12 years. Stop yelling at me, Dan. What are you, uh, Trent Dilfer? <laughs> Trent Diffler does yell a lot on that show. Uh, one of our editors downstairs led him to conclude that Dilfer was on some type of MDMA type uh, I don't think so, but drug. I'm not saying he was. Um, so he probably just had a producer in his ear telling him to be excited for the show. So if you guys are out there, if anyone has a blog, you can write NFL Network, NFL host colon Trent Dilfer on drugs. <laughs> All right, I don't care about anything. Um, <laughs> hey, by the way, one other thing, since we're mentioning it, um, best part, well, Chris Berman we get once a year over at ESPN uh, calling him. He called the late game uh, between the Niners and Vikings. The best part is when Dilford tried to roll in some fantasy talk, and Berman, obviously now 66 years old or whatever and doesn't want to hear it, uh, mutters, I thought fantasy after midnight took a break. I was like, what? Doesn't even make sense. <laughs> Before or after he called the stadium the big bell bottom. Well, he did that like 14 times. That's terrible. So after, <laughs> in between. All right. So, yes. that And that's a little teaser, if you will, Greg Rosenthal, to uh, the top of our show today where we're going to get into a little Monday night football, a double dip, uh, the San Francisco 49ers and the Vikings, and then the early game, of course, the Eagles and the Falcons from the raucous Georgia Dome. Mm. Uh, Truly raucous this time. Yeah, but raucous for the Eagles fans. We'll talk to Connor Orr, too, about that as well. Yes, Connor Orr, who we're going to get on the phone and talk about some stuff with, including his trip down uh, to A-Town. Uh, where, A-Town? Listen, <laughs> that is... I, I was in Georgia for eight years, never heard anyone call it A-Town. I, apparently, you've <laughs> never met a man named Usher. Mm. Remember the 2003 single, Yeah! Exclamation point? 
No, I remember the <laughs> seven o'clock on the Ancient dot. I remember my drop top. Wow. Was that was that the first rap song ever that you're reciting right now? It's not even really a rap song. <laughs> what rap. is it? What R&D. is seven o'clock at the R&D. drop at the rop top? Seven o'clock on the dot. I'm in my drop top. <laughs> That's like '90s Usher. Okay. Sounds like a like a Manhattan musical. It, <laughs> one of the biggest upsets ever is that Wes is only saying like two different songs on this show and that's that you've done in that one at least twice well also one of the biggest upsets ever is that i know hip-hop better than you three apparently because you don't know that song that's not true (laughs) i guess so it's true of me i don't care less um all right so we have a very nice show today very nice show our tuesday audio only show we will be getting into those monday night games we also touch on some news that's come down since uh, Sunday's games, we will hit a preview of Thursday night. A big showdown between who, Mark? The Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs. Very good. Mark, on fire. Well, no, here's the thing. It, it, people can't see this, but behind us, all I'm looking is at the Dave Damashek show crawl going mm. yeah, behind you. you know and what? it's creating a weird vibe. I was here. thinking the same thing, and I know that... This is not a video show today, but you have the Sheck show crawling behind us over our shoulders. And then you have a keyboard, a video keyboard over on the big screen. And it's like, you know, we're not divas or anything. Throwing me off. It's, yeah, the quad. You guys are total divas. Oh, now they're moving to the sticks. (laughs) If it's going, I'm moving the sticks. I'm out of here. That is a producer ill. Yeah, so we'll hit the Thursday night preview. We'll get Connor Orr on the phone. Uh, so that is a, a jam-packed show on a Tuesday. And uh, before we get to any of that, we will check behind the glass. It is uh, Irishman Tuesdays. Brandon McGinnis, how are you, buddy? Feels good. Uh, I'm upset that I couldn't put the right Move the Sticks logo up. Mm. But you know what? It's just a little subtle shot just to, to you guys to plug the YouTube channel. Uh, everything that uh, because that's everyone true. Was watching everyone would watch move the stage. You have you failed us with some of the background visuals today, but <laughs> you're absolutely right. Uh, we have two shows a week on YouTube at YouTube.com. If you've never heard of the website, it's been around since about you know the mid aughts. Very popular with the kids. Uh, you go to the NFL channel, and we have our our own playlist, right, Greg? We do. Check it out. Greg barely invested right now. We're, we're putting the- Dan <laughs> attempted to find this yesterday, and he's struggling. I'm trying to contact Connor to let him know he's on the show. So no, I've already talked to him. Okay, we're, we're all good. set up. We're good. Did Everything you- is under control, except for the video boards. Do you guys know that a bartender at a local establishment just sent us all invitations for a free lunch today? Mm. Well, that's where we're going after this, then. <laughs> all right, gentlemen, let's, let's just get to the games. On Monday night, a double dip, as I said, Greg loves the double dips on Monday night to start week one. We only get one of these a year, and we got two nice games. One very close game, one game not as close, but still uh, interesting, uh, so that's good. And we'll start in Atlanta, where the Falcons uh, jumped out to a big lead over the Philadelphia Eagles, a 23 halftime lead, and then held on for dear life, actually fell behind, got a go-ahead field goal, and then the defense of the Falcons makes a stop on the Eagles, an interception of Sam Bradford to end it. A 26-24 win for the Falcons and your boy, Mr. Quinn's debut. Right, Mark Sessler? That's his boy? I thought Chip yeah. Kelly was his boy. Well, Mark so loves coordinators, Quinn. so when a coordinator gets promoted, yeah. it's it's like one of his Well, we no, Wesleyan and I both had time to talk with Dan Quinn at multiple Super Bowls. Humble brag. That, all right, so it's part of our job. Okay. Okay, <laughs> just, you know, doing what our job is. Keep and going. we both came away calling him the, the coach that we most want to have a beer with, if I recall. He's a charismatic guy. He looks you in the eye. 
seems to genuinely care what kind of questions you're asking and how can he help you with an answer. And I think this game showed what why you want to hire a coach like that. I think one of the easiest things to do in the NFL to improve your team when you is hire a high energy, good defensive minded coach and that coach immediately improves your bottom 5 defense to an average group. And you and right away, this happens all the time. Right away, now the Falcons look like an okay team and it's not like they have great players now, but it's coaching and it's hustle and it's tackling and it's aggression. And they weren't unbelievable last night on defense, but they did a great job in the first half and they, they did enough in the second. I think it's also a reminder that, yes, consistency, which bad teams, I've preached this forever, you want consistency with your coaches and your quarterbacks. But Mike Smith being removed out of the Falcons organization was a plus. Tava's I mean, they no needed more. to move on. And I think that Dan Quinn has, brought, like you said, brought energy there's clearly buy-in from the defensive side. They were getting after the quarterback in a way they did not last year. Not the entire game, but you saw it for flashes. Outside of Trufant, they don't have stars. They don't have pro bowlers on this defense. But I think the thing you noticed the most, that was they were faster and more physical. And they had a, a little hint of a pass rush, which they never did last year. It was Schofield, which Schofield could, had a great could turn out to be one of the best bargain free agent signings. Uh, the Giants lost out on him at one point. Actually, that was a, a year ago. And then the Falcons get him this year. And Vic Beasley, we'll see if he's good, but in, he, he adds a little I something. I thought he had some moments last night. In a bad division, and this could be another division where nine wins could win it, the Falcons have a chance. If they have a top 20 defense, forget about top 10. If they're in the top 20, did anybody notice what Julio Jones is doing yesterday? We all knew this guy's amazing, but how about a reminder that he is in the conversation as the number one wide receiver in football. Just his amazing thing I was really struck by was his amazing body control, his foot control near the boundaries, that touchdown he had at the end of the half. He's incredible. And, and Matt Ryan, and the little weird thing about Matt Ryan is he threw two picks. He could have thrown five in this game. He got away with a lot of bad throws questionable throws in this game but at the same time if you think he's going to play a little cleaner in the future you we all like Matt Ryan a lot of good throw. throws too at least yeah. if you're going to have that many throws. bad throws he played very well he, so, it was a little more reckless than I expected but they're going to score points and the defense is okay this team could win nine games Julio Jones was my preseason prediction to win oh you did it got to get that it, in right. there Greg. it's Julio Jones had that other play where it got called back for Leonard Hankerson's PI and he Goes down on one hand, regains balance after catching the ball, cuts to the outside, yeah. and dances down the sideline, and it gets called back. So there's no replay of it on NFL.com or anything, but it was one of the prettiest plays that I saw all on the day. 200 yards on the day. This is not a new thing. Julio Jones has been one of the best wide receivers in the league since he got in the league. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, okay, we gave the Falcons some love. They, they won the game. That's great. Hey, what about your boy Chip Kelly, Mark uh, Sessler? Blowing. Why is he my boy? I don't know. You, you, you were the guy who uh, really embraced him. I thought with open, the most open arms. He's more a laser guy. Uh, three, yeah, I like three years. I like ago. his offshoot. But okay, I'll go to the barricades for Chip Kelly. All right, yeah, I love, I love Chip Kelly too. But this is a game where uh, he should be criticized for how he handled the end of the game. He panicked. Oh come on, yeah. He didn't send his field goal. First of all, he decided to kick a field goal with a shaky kicker who's been struggling uh, to try to take a two-point lead and give the ball back to the Falcons, who had been moving the ball. So I didn't like that decision. Just go for it. They were moving the ball so well. and But his indecision to send them out onto the field very late, Parkey wasn't ready to kick it. At that point, you either got to take a timeout or be decisive. He helped force the kick to be missed. And Chip Kelly being like the guy who's go, 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 
being very conservative in a key spot. All right. Well, you're right about that, and that that point taken. I don't think you're gonna, who can argue that that's that could have been handled differently. But I also think that we all saw sitting there monitoring Twitter during this game, where oh, with them down at 20 to three at halftime, everyone's ready to send Chip Kelly out to see, <laughs> this... you know, restart the organization. You know what? This the way this offense moves, I will never count them out at halftime, no matter what. How about the that? Is. How about the drive? I think it was their first touchdown drive of the second half, where. They keep shooting themselves in the foot over and over again. They get hit with four 10-yard penalties, yeah, I think. Yeah, the second drive. It the ends up being a roughly a 135-yard touchdown drive <laughs> just because they couldn't be. Once right. they got rolling, they couldn't get stopped. And I and just to cycle back to that one point, Chip should have went for it on fourth and one oh, in yeah, the first that's, place. That's the thing. And I know we're throwing the Dan Quinn uh, glory boy parade right now, but Dan Quinn also played that game to lose at the end, giving the ball back to Chip Kelly in the offense, running it three times when Julio Jones literally can't be covered and Matt Ryan's your quarterback. So he caught a break that the uh, Eagles' uh, offense ran out of steam on that last drive. I agree. I was stunned that the field goal that the Falcons kicked ended up holding up for that win. You would have, you would have never no, guessed yeah, that at stunning. the time. I love, back to Mark's point, it was laughable. I almost shut Twitter off for the first time ever when I was covering a game because it broke the record for hot takes and everybody tripping over themselves to render the preseason completely meaningless, but the first two quarters of the first week mean everything. They're right. all revealing, <laughs> and that shall be what happens the rest well, of the year. I, I, got, I recommend skipping Twitter during it. I don't read Twitter during games. I send tweets, but I don't read it because there's too much going on. I couldn't be more with you. It's, it is, it, it needs to go away it, entirely at times. And I don't care what's trending. I don't give a flying It's not app. so much that I hate it. It's just more that like there's not enough time in the day. You can't watch the game. And then you said, I like sending I, out the stuff. I like looking at the box score and everything, but I end up not checking at all on Sundays. Or in a time when society is starting to run low on communal experiences, gentlemen, mm. I like that Twitter allows me to be watching the game with thousands of people at the same time and sharing in these takes. I'm on the other side. Well, all right. But, I mean, but, don't you find that most of the people tweeting you would not want to be oh, in the sure. community with? Before? Well, yeah. I mean, but I follow much uh, fewer people than any of you guys, I think, because I like to keep out oh, all the elitist. hot takers. Well, maybe. Maybe I'm a Quick Twitter take elitist. on the Eagles here. The sky isn't falling on them, but two, two red flags for me. You pay Byron Maxwell $10 million a year and Julio Jones dog-walked him around the field all night. Yeah. And DeMarco Murray, it's the December DeMarco Murray, he's slow. He did He's slow really slow. They, it's amazing that Murray and Matthews both were big factors as receivers, and they had 13 yards rushing. Sproles was their best Murray I guess Murray wasn't a huge four factor. For Murray averaged like one yard per touch. Right. He, well, he they, had a bunch of catches. Matthews wasn't much catch. better, but they, they had 13 yards and three touchdowns, and two I, of them on the ground. I don't know if it's just bad luck, but Sam Bradford has got to stop taking big hits. Between the preseason games and this game, he has taken about eight gigantic shots, and he's held up well, and he's been, I think, courageous. Well, under not fire. a great game by that offensive line. You no. let Evan Mathis go. You got a couple of injuries. Bradford was up and down a great also, second half, but a little up and down. You never trust a box score because he threw the interception at the end of the game, but Jordan Matthews, who had 10 catches, by the way, let went right through his fingers to kill that drive. So it, I thought Matthews was the best offensive player. Yeah, he was for, very good. Well, Sproles, too. Game. Yeah. This the Fal Falcons team is Falcons are very fortunate to win. Every game should be in prime right. time because it seems to change everything. <laughs> wow. I really, I know, I would love to see just two or three primetime games every night, as Greg has suggested, have football all night, all week long, and night games have a different energy, even if the that score seems isn't like a good. That seems like a bit much. 
Well, let's turn to Sundays. A, let's, football Sundays. Eh. Let's turn to a game that had a very weird energy. Nice transition. Right. Wow, Wes's that. first transition, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Woo! That's my second. I Carlos did one like a year and a half ago. In Santa Clara, which is the uh, home of the Big Bell Bottom. That's what they call the stadium. <laughs> that's what certain people that's call the stadium. That's what Santa Clara was. That's what one five. septuagenarian calls the stadium. <laughs> Carlos Hyde went off for the San Francisco 49ers, running for 168 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, leading the 49ers to a surprisingly easy 20-3 win over the Minnesota Vikings in Ch- Jim Tomsula's debut. And Chris Wessling, I think um, maybe an apology is too strong, but perhaps the football... Cognoscenti. Cognoscenti <laughs> owes uh, the San Francisco 49ers, yeah, I will say, an apology for burying them. Then they go out and everybody's preseason darling, the Vikings, make them look like stiffs. I think it's somewhere between we owe them an apology and let's not overreact to week one too much. They outcoached the Vikings coaching staff severely. Eric Mangini was in Teddy Bridgewater's head all night. Uh, Jeep Chris got really creative on offense. Um, And Tom Sola, I mean, what's not to like about that guy? I love him. He's like extremely flawed but oddly fascinating. Our our friend Handsome Hank, uh, Henry Hodgson, he pointed out everyone is giving so much credit to Mangini, starting with uh, Mark, who just loves having the Manginius back in his life. I'll get into To it. have a, an ex-Browns uh, coach that is a coordinator, that's basically the sweet spot for <laughs> Sessler love. Uh, and Jeep Chris giving a lot of credit, but no one's given, you know, no one was like, yeah, maybe it's Tom Sula that really brings Wait, it all together. Wait, I didn't see any uh, great hashtag on Twitter last night for Mangini facts. Oh, Tom Sula. Tom Sula facts was a brilliant hashtag last night on Twitter. But, but, you know, yes, they outcoached the Vikings. But if anyone said that Zimmer and Norv Turner were going to get outcoached mm. by Jeep Christ, Eric Mangini, and Tom Sula, because we all like Tom Sula now, but let's acknowledge the fact that four or five months ago when he was rolled out in front of reporters, we called him a joke. No, we, he, we thought he, he wasn't. Like, well, the his way press, he conference. press conference right, was a that's joke. That's fine. But the, I guess the point is sometimes, because one thing Hank did say to us is, you got to understand that behind the scenes, this guy's a different dude. He's all football. His players love him. It's week one. We don't want to overreact, but this thing could have gone completely different. We have to point out, too, that the 49ers coaches had a huge inherent advantage. Everything was new. What are the Vikings going to study about Jeep Christ, Eric Mangini, and, and Tom Sewell? Well, Mangini got a lot of free rushers, and the offense was fine for San Francisco. We'll talk about Carlos, Carlos Hyde. But the defense was what won them the game and what was different than last year and what was great. And as much as they've lost defensive pieces, they still have a lot of defensive pieces. Antoine Bethea played like an all-pro last year. He played like an all-pro last night. Navarro Bowman could be one of the very best at his position. Aaron Lynch looks like a oh, player. Lynch. Aaron, whiskey tart. Aaron Brooks is a very good starter, assuming you know he doesn't do anything that gets him suspended at some point this year. So they have players on defense for Beijing. It's also the scheme, though, and they took advantage of two things, I think, that Minnesota had going against them. One was injuries along the offensive line. You're missing your right tackle. You're missing your center. Secondly, what was the plan with Adrian Peterson? That Mm. mystified me. Maybe he's not... We assume he's fully physically ready. He was held out in various stretches. They're using him on third downs in weird ways. At one point, McKinnon had more rushing yards than him and more attempts. I, I don't get that. Well, I saw a great stat that um, one of the ESPN.com writers had that Jarek McKinnon and Asiata had more shotgun runs last year than Adrian Peterson had for the five previous years combined. So there is a question of, like, how does Adrian Peterson fit in this offense? He's used to... I mean, that's the thing he's most known for, taking that seven-yard 
you know, sprint and getting the ball at full speed. And you didn't really see a lot of that last night. The couple times they did do that, he looked pretty good. He had one monster, that one bizarre. monster run where he's dragging Niners with him. I just assumed they were worried about overworking him and they just had a 15 play, a 15 really? touch number. I don't know. I don't like think that. that's it just at all. I think, I think they came in saying, oh, the 49ers expect us to go heavy Peterson. Let's go Bridgewater early, get him into a groove. And then everything went exactly the opposite of how they wanted it. To. But if Bridgewater is typically going to be a shotgun quarterback, is that going to... It's a fair question because, like Greg said, you picture Peterson following Jerome Felton through that hole. What a disappointing start for the Vikings, too, and their fans and everyone associated with the organization because this was just a really a deflating effort. There was between... Peterson not getting out of the gates well and not being used well. Bridgewater under fire making I thought mistakes. it was the worst game Bridgewater's played in the NFL. He looked completely oh, I lost. He had one of the worst games any quarterback had last year. Uh, this was a terrible game. This was a bad game. He, he had a stretch in the second half where he looked like you would expect him to look. Probably the first And weapon. still didn't get like into scoring territory. I actually asked a question uh, after the Thursday night. No, the Sunday uh, night games. Uh, did this? Did the Rams win? I am going to get this out. I promise you. The, did the Rams Seahawks game change how you felt about either team? I asked the same thing about this game. Does it change how you feel about the Vikings or the Niners? More the 49ers. Yeah. Um, Kaepernick looked better. He looked improved. The defense looks good. Trent Dilfer was falling over himself with oh, Colin Kaepernick. Too like, much Trent, so calm down, bro. It was one of the greatest 6.3 yards per attempt, 165-yard, no-touchdown performances by a quarterback ever, according to Trent Dilfer. <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest. The defense and the running game were outstanding. If you put that game next to all of Kaepernick's games last year, it was very similar. Let's I'm more impressed with Jeep Chris than I am Kaepernick because that offense was more creative than it was last year, and they found a way to attack Minnesota. You know who I'm impressed with? Uh, our man Kevin Patrick coming at you, mm. who wrote the Making the Leap piece on Carlos Hyde. And, and right up top, one of the main points, how great of a fit he is for this mm. stretch run, the zone scheme that they brought in with um, uh, Forst, Chris Forster, I believe, and, and Sperano, your Barry the Ball guy. And Bowie Carlos Hyde was, ex- he was exceptionally decisive, making sharp cuts, and he looks like a great fit for this line. Well, he he's a guy you think has got to be a power back, but he's not really that guy. He has much more. Oh, he's a power back. I mean, he is, but he has much more movement and juice than, than a guy you think. Well, Adrian Peterson's back. a power back, and he's but got Adrian Peterson isn't doing those One closing moves. note, I fed all that information to Patrick. Mm, is that right? That's yeah. good. How about a good good week for making the leap? A lot of our players. In this game, right. even. I take it back. Terrible job by Patrick. I know, he did Good man. job absorbing the information that I gave him. He can answer. Greg buried the balls time. and he buried the past about making the leap last year, and you're spinning positive. I'm saying we had a great, a I'm lot of them did. Even Anthony Barr in this game. Wow, we're, we're burying the lead. Wait, Bridgewater was one of our top making the leap well, guys. Sh- let's sh- ignore sh- that. <laughs> uh, let's. We're burying the lead is what we're doing because I think there's a lot of feeling amongst this group after this <laughs> game and Tom Tom mm. Sula about some potential team of around the NFL buzz for these 49ers. I'm I not like, against I, it. I, I, I said last night on Twitter, happily would I do this. Let's I, think about it. I give Wes a lot of credit because he's so open-minded. He's ready to do it right now. Let's no, just that's make that's him not what wow. I said. Wow. Wrestling. I said I'm willing to consider them, whereas before I wouldn't have believed it. They're um, kind of ugly, attractive in a Juliette Lewis kind of way. Oh. <laughs> wow. Well, There's a nice early 90s reference. They're fun. I, can't, I cannot help but root for Tell Tom me if this Sula doesn't put you over Jamie. the top. Jim Tom Sula, odd jobs as he worked his way up the coaching ladder. <laughs> Medical equipment sales rep. Newspaper delivery man. Done that. I like how they didn't call him boy. 
just so to keep his dignity. <laughs> Not a newspaper delivery boy. Night janitor, creepy. Firewood cutter, dangerous. Cleaned floors at a department store. He's like, I see your Kurt Warner stocking the shelves and I raise you cleaning the floors, the filth with a mop. Food sales rep and doormat salesman. They forgot <laughs> deli meat salesman. Wow, well, there you go. No, and how about really a, deli meat a doormat salesman? And now he's coaching the team that everybody thought would be the doormat in the M- NFC. And what's happening? He's selling them to They're us. They're the team all around the NFL. Yeah, Come let's on, do society. It. Let's, let's, no. let's do it. You know I'm what? Not ready. I, here's the problem last year. Let's go around the room. Yes or no? Greg? Yes. Dan? Yes. Mark? Yes, we took way no. too much Wes. time last year. No. Oh, Wes, you you know, you you, you guys railroaded me into the Chargers last no. year and you what? will not be no, no, forgiven no, 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 for it. No, no. We, we railroaded you if so in week nine. The Cardinals nine. last you year. Got, you made you. me fit. No, boom, boom. We wanted boom. the Cardinals. We wanted to do the Cardinals in week three. You didn't. You shot that. down the Cardinals. I was, not the one, I was not the one person shooting down the Cardinals. It okay. wasn't three against one. It was some three list, against one on the Chargers. Some, some listener, this is back, bull. Some listener, go back, check the Cardinals tape. You guys railroaded me into the Chargers against my will and I went along to be a team player. But it was like December when we did that. No, we had all settled on the Cardinals, and you shot it down. That's not true. And then we had to scramble and choose the Chargers. That's, That's how it played true. out. I don't think who was I was it for. I was it's for all the on Chargers. tape. Like, I was for a lot of teams. Like I'd be for the Titans. I would be for the Falcons. Yep. I'd be for the Rams. But I know maybe not everyone would would agree with that. Irishman, oh. let's do some news. I mean, it's emotional. The team around the NFL, <laughs> and this is not. We shouldn't be just putting all this heat on Wes. It's like. I see what Wes is saying too. Let's let's wait maybe a little bit. Let's make sure the Niners don't get a bomb dropped on them in week two. And all of a sudden, everything happened on a Sunday afternoon. You guys wouldn't even consider it. No, that's gonna happen though. That they're gonna lose game. It's not about that. It's just a team that I think I'm gonna have fun watching. They have a chance to be a little scrappy, and that it really imbues the spirit. Of it's Ryan. about how we see the team, and I don't think we all see what that I what this is. The still find way. Colin Kaepernick to be an exceptionally hard watch at quarterback. Mm. That's fair. Carlos Hyde can make it. What is that sound? It sounds like they're doing construction outside. Well, if anyone can hear that, that is um, someone (laughs) potentially breaking into the studio. Feels like there's a dentist right outside our podcast studio. Yeah, that would be the best case scenario. Okay, let's get into some news. And we'll start with some really hard-to-believe news out of uh, the world of the New York Giants after that crushing Sunday night loss uh, in which the Giants really had the Cowboys done in. Uh, They had a three-point lead and a first and goal from inside the five-yard line. They run it twice and then throw a pass out of bounds, settle for a field goal, give the Cowboys a chance to go down the field, and that's what they did. One point win for the Cowboys. And then Rashad Jennings, the Giants running back who had those two carries, explained to ESPN's Dan Graziano that as, quote, a running back, it's always hard when they tell you not to score. So Jennings lets it out of the bag that Eli had told him not to score. Eli lost track of the time and the timeout situation. Um, And then Eli on um, WFAN, I believe, owned up to it. He said, I told Rashad not to score. I thought we were on the same page to try to get as close as possible but not get into the end zone. I was wrong with that. And then Tom Coughlin later with the cat out of the bag, and I'm sure that organization is upset with Rashad Jennings, by the way. Uh, Coughlin had this to say, Eli's... uh, Eli, this has never happened before. I completely trust Eli, always have. So in addition to a crushing loss, uh, that is also, it's an embarrassing situation for the Giants. It's, un, it's hard to really understand. Because here's the thing. If they're trying to let you score, let them let you score. You're up by three points. The game is over when you score. I mean, that, that's the thing that's the craziest part about it is not just that Eli went and said this, is that it makes no sense whatsoever. Now, what happened was, 
timeouts aren't charged if you, I mean, the clock does stop when you decline a penalty under five minutes. And Eli did not know that rule. He probably should know that rule as, as a quarterback. He thought the Cowboys had taken a timeout with 156 left. They had not. And so that's where he messed up the timeouts. But it, it makes no sense that you wouldn't try to score there anyways. Scoring a touchdown is never a, never a bad idea. I always thought when Peyton Manning started this way back when with Joseph Adai and all that stuff, it was a bad idea because your chances of making a mistake and calculating time are much greater than being burned by scoring an extra touchdown. Well, plus all of those are when you're, when you're down three. Or when the game is tied. It's not when you're up three and there's under two two minutes this, to go. I mean, I guess that should be obvious enough. But winning, going up by ten ends the game. And historians will note that this is the second time the Giants have failed at this. The first time was in a famous uh, situation, Greg, you might yeah. remember, when they told Ahmad Bradshaw not to go into the end zone against the Patriots at the end of the Super Bowl 46. He fell into the end zone, literally tried to stop his momentum and couldn't. So they were trying to pull it off in the biggest game on the planet. In this case, they get burned trying to do the same thing. Just go into the end zone, NFL players. It's over. It's simple. That, that is a 10-point lead with a minute to play, and the Cowboys have no timeouts. You take your chances there. It's unbelievable how many different ways they screwed up. I mean, because I think calling the pass on third down is just as bad. But it does, it does explain a little what whatever happened at least that tom coughlin didn't just have a brain seizure essentially right. it basically was well, that sounds scary you know what happens here your boy spags gets off the hook for that yes. for that drive because everyone's concentrating on this spags well, no yeah. one should. So like, that's the thing how about some cell scouting you know that your defenses could give up 80 yards in roughly seven seconds <laughs> that's what happened <laughs> without des bryant and speaking of des bryant uh you know he suffered a broken foot in that game we saw him in his underpants uh, celebrating with Cowboys teammates after Dan's replaying that over and over after the win right in his underpants celebrating uh, we were told four to six immediately after the game weeks was the timetable now we're hearing that it could be eight weeks uh, then you, you have the medical experts out there talking about oh it could be eight to twelve weeks uh, so we don't really know what to hear but the one thing I'll say you're not going to see Des back on the field Probably not by the end of October, even if you're lucky. Dez going to be gone a while, which is a problem for the Cowboys. Huge loss. I mean, what, they had 80 yards in that game running, and that's less than they had in any game last year. Greg pointed that out after. And it's, it's, uh, this is the centerpiece of your offense is Dez Bryant. And so any team that loses one of your best wide, receiver, best wide receivers in the, in the entire league for half the season, potentially, I don't know. You got to re, got to reshuffle. I like all the ex players that are going on and, be, and then acting like doctors. Ah, oh, no, that'll actually be eight to ten weeks. I, I like they know. Like anyone knows, with like a broken bone in your foot, it comes down to the individual body. I, mean, I know no he'll be out nine weeks. <laughs> that is the truth. When you hear they were working out names like Hakeem Nix and Nick Toon, mm. ooh. Well, yeah, that's rather that's troublesome. Hakeem Nix is a really interesting name because he broke the fifth uh, metatarsal bone on his foot in 2012. And I know there's a lot of other problems that Hakeem Nix has run into since in terms of his attitude, but he hasn't been the same player since that injury. Yeah, Dez has had quite a few injuries of his own that he's bounced back. Right. Right. Also, a different sport, but uh, Kevin Durant, the Thunder guard, uh, guard forward. He's like a stretch three. What a player. What a versatile score. Just deadly, Mark, from all around the perimeter. Yeah, you guys, you guys, it's an excellent scouting report you've issued. He had the same injury last year. Ended up having multiple surgeries. Missed the whole season. So this is a tricky injury. Do not let 
I'm saying trade Des Bryant in fantasy if you have him. I, I still am stuck on this Eli Manning thing. I, I don't know if you guys saw the New York Post cover, the $84 million <laughs> Dunce, and they made a Dunce helmet. Mark is squinting very hard because he hasn't had his eyes checked in like seven years. Well, no, I have, and I definitely need glasses, and I'm not <laughs> right, wearing them. just choose not to wear them. Greg always loves twisting the knife whenever Eli's involved in a bad situation. I wonder why. Doesn't everyone? We're only human. <laughs> it does seem. It does seem Eli does attract that. Um, all right. Anything else? Oh, Deshaun Jackson out three to four weeks. Oh, yeah. Let's hit a quick uh, injury report. Deshaun Jackson, that is a significant hamstring strain. Was that another transition by Wes? Yes. If you're counting that. growing into that host. Ding, 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 ding. You got to watch out, Tim. I know. Deshaun Jackson has a hamstring tr- strain. Could miss up to four weeks. Talked about Dez. And uh, Derek Carr, the Raiders quarterback that we don't believe in. Uh, <laughs> x-rays came back. Negative. Bruised. Finger, I think he's week to week, could play next week, but depends on swelling. Is that a good thing if he plays? Yeah, I mean, how depressing would it be for them if you have? I mean, I like Matt McGloin. Maybe they can win a game with Matt McGloin, but you're with your backup quarterback in week two. You're staring at 0 and 2 unless you can beat who do they play this week? Uh, The the Ravens, which is a tough, tough game. It's in Oakland. So you could be 0 and 2 at home to start off the year. Mm. And uh, finally, in the news, Marshawn Lynch's mom. Uh, her name is Delissa Lynch. Um, she believes that Seahawks offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel uh, made the right move, uh, giving the ball on fourth and one to uh, her son in Sunday's loss. But she also thinks uh, Be- Bevel should have been S-canned after the Super Bowl loss in a long-winding Facebook uh, post. Uh, Delisa called Bevel the worst play caller ever. And uh, I'll just read one snippet from her uh, rant. To the smart as media, AZZ, media, who wrote, that's why Marshawn didn't get the ball in the Super Bowl. How many times did Russell get sacked yesterday? Don't worry, I will wait on the answer. Plus, it was totally different at the Super Bowl. The line was better than yesterday. No blocking. And to the offense caller, who should have fired. (laughs) Yes, I said it. Fired. He is the worst play caller ever. Showing a startling lack of uh, football knowledge. Not even understanding the Dave Shula era. Mm. Well, she also spells ass, A-Z-Z. <laughs> well, she said, I like that they said the only reason they called that dumb ass play yesterday is to be able to justify that, see, look at, at the oh. Super Bowl. Like, it was like, oh, hey, on. this isn't going to work. Is that uh, a hot take or a conspiracy theory? That's more like a conspiracy theory. And, and he says, most fans have already figured this out, that the Seahawks staff <laughs> loves this play caller bevel more than a win. Go figure. She and can't stand they the figured guy. That out, did they? He's, helped, he's helped her son to multiple massive seasons and a lot well, of money. Potentially a whole of Let's be honest. That's not an equal relationship. I think Marshawn Lynch has done a lot more to help Daryl Bevel in, in his time in Seattle than Daryl Bevel. Hold on. All right, How so how was Marshawn Lynch's career looking before he landed with Daryl Bevel? I mean, honestly, so Fair. she's calling him the worst play caller in the league. Just put your computer down. I like it. I like or your phone. I'm sure you like it, but it's not accurate on any level. I, you know, we all love moms, so I get this is all coming from a mom place. She said she's just standing up for a boy. She loves her. How kid. many moms in this room, if we we all have a mom, yeah. would get on Facebook and go rail against Roger Goodell or not my let's mom, say a more immediate boss? But I have drunk aunts that rail on Facebook all the How's time Uncle about Chuck Obama <laughs> and all sorts of different social issues and things of that nature. Mm. A lot of wine involved. That's probably think, what happened to Sunshine Lynch. <laughs> Sunshine. There is a lot of backstory to your aunts and uncles. Oh, they're great. <laughs> Uncle Chuck, your crazy aunt. I love aunts. my aunts. My Aunt Brenda, crazy my Aunt Carrie, my Aunt Hansis. Sheila. Dude, I'm not against putting pod. a wild Facebook post out there once in a while. I mean, I think we've all done it, but it's like, you know, this is, this is a little bit absurd. Slightly unhinged. Okay, that's what's happening in the news. 
Uh, let's now go on and talk about our Thursday night preview, a mark, a game mark uh, featuring two teams from the NFL, and those two teams are. The Broncos and the Chiefs in a massive drilling sound yes. over my left this, ear. This, this game is on NFL Network, Dan. Really? And what, CBS. Wait, NFL has a network? Yes. We were on it on Monday on the Around the NFL show. That's true. If any of our listeners are out there and you don't watch uh, the Around the NFL show, it's on every day at 3. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're now, you know, sprinkling in little segments where we're taping for it, probably three times a week, something like that. You should be watching it anyways for Andrew Siciliano on Thursdays. I believe it's on at, at 11 a.m. Uh, Perfect there if you, you don't have a job. Or as... Or at, you're at work. I never TV. miss it. You guys know I'm not going to endorse something. I never miss it. My TV is always on that. Uh, I DVR it, of course. I'm a good soldier. And, you know... Drew Siciliano, as TD uh, calls him, only TD calls him, uh, did a nice job on our show last week. So uh, he's the host of that show, as Greg said. So, yeah, keep an eye out for that. Nice plug, guys. We really did it very well now. But let's get to the Broncos at the Chiefs. And how about, I'll tell you what, this game is fascinating. You got the Chiefs who are coming off a great win uh, on Sunday. And then you have the Broncos, who who knows what to expect. And, uh, again, all eyes are going to be on Peyton Manning to see what he looks like. Uh, Mark, I'll start with you. Um, is there any chance in your mind that the Chiefs are going to blow this game at home? This seems like a winner for the Chiefs on the road in primetime. Well, at home in primetime. There's a chance oh, they yeah. can lose. What do you mean? Is there any chance? It's in the bag. The Chiefs go. are going to win Greg, this. Greg, you go first. No, you go first. Huh? Go. I mean, there's... there's. You just angered Sessler for no, jumping it's just like, point. It just on. was a crazy question. It's, I don't think it's about blowing it. It's They're playing what is potentially a top three, top two defense in the league. The thing, though, about the last Chiefs game is Alex Smith might have played his best game in Kansas City. I thought he looked comfortable. I think he's completely at home in that offense. They're expanding it with Kelsey and Macklin uh, and Jamal Charles. So it's not going to be the same Chiefs team that the Broncos have dealt with in recent years. I think he was better that he was aggressive. I don't think it was close to his best game, and I don't think it was – that great a game. They didn't score a point in the second half, and they had. 14... I never thought he looked as good in the first half had... as he has in any game. And they the had Chiefs. 14 points off turnovers. One which was just an eight-yard, you know, Jamal Charles play. I, I, he was fine. He looked like a better version of Alex Smith, a little more aggressive, which I think can go a long way with them. I thought last year he didn't trust his arm. It might have been he just didn't trust his surrounding talent. Mm, and Jeremy Macklin and and Kelsey Kelsey has emerged as one of the top four or five pass catching tight ends in the NFL. It'll be a good matchup Here's, because we think the Broncos might be dethroning the Seahawks as the best defense in the NFL. I miss I, I misspoke. This is not a, obviously in the bag for the Chiefs, but it does there are two interesting things at play. And I do go back, I do cycle back to the last time I remember seeing the Chiefs in prime time where they dismantled uh, the Patriots that went on to win the Super Bowl. Obviously a different uh, Patriot team at that point in the season. But it's a tough place to win on the road at night. And then Peyton Manning might be the greatest prime time quarterback ever if you look at his numbers over the years. But we don't know if uh, Peyton Manning is Peyton Manning. Unless it's a playoff game. I am. (laughs) Okay, well, you know, he's had some nice playoff moments. I think we know he's not Peyton Manning. Yeah. Well, you do. I don't. I mean, he's played one game this year. It's not. I'm not even talking about his arm. I'm talking about the fact that he can't move anymore. Right. That to me was the bigger problem in, in week when one. When did he? When was he ever able to move? You mean just to kind of move within the pocket? Right. To avoid I don't. I think he's immobile now. There was an absurd play where they had him roll out. Yes. 
that needs to go away completely. That, and they need to pare this playbook that's, down to what that's, works. That's part of this, though. They're figuring out what they can and cannot do, and it could lead to a, a shaky September where they need the defense to carry the way. That's all I'm saying about man. I know, Mark, especially you think I'm being stubborn about this. I just need a few weeks to see what's going on I before I render him it's irrelevant in the NFL. I expect them to improve, right? I expect him to improve, and I think we've been saying for a few years now the key to his game is he has to set his feet when he throws. And it seemed like in Gary Kubiak's offense, there were too many plays where he's being asked to move his feet and throw. Well, the, the Denver offensive line was a huge problem, not recognizing blitzes and giving up a lot of pressure. And the Chiefs' defense was what stood out to me in that game as different because I, we kind of forgot, oh, by the way, Derek Johnson's coming back. It's been a long time since he played and maybe since he was the, one of the better inside linebackers. Like, he had a great... Uh, week one game. Marcus Peters, their number one draft pick, looks like he's going to be a player. So the secondary's looking better. Justin Houston had a huge game. I mean, I guess now we just expect that. That's a good defense. Yeah, they were in Hoyer's face all day long, and now you're playing what is, you know, an offensive line that's certainly young and doesn't seem to have its act together. That's How what about, I think makes this very interesting. Greg, one of your favorite saucy subplots of the week, Eric Fisher, the former number one overall pick. Greg loves this. Uh, Eric loves, you know, Greg loves Eric Fisher. There's buzz in the locker room, I guess, that he asked out of the lineup knowing that on a bum ankle he did not want to face J.J. Watt, and that's leading Kerry to Collins moment. Well, Andy, hissing buzz. Andy Reid, you know, denies that, but multiple reporters, including the Kansas City Star, say that's exactly what happened, and there's, you know, teammates weren't happy with him about that. And when they started practicing on Tuesday, he was – he was. it sounds like he might be able to play, but he's no longer the starter. Or he's just not able to play. Either way, it sounds like I think they're going to be possibly moving on from Eric Fisher. What, really? Listen, mate, what I don't a, know. What an awful Maybe, maybe he's just not – he's truly not healthy. That's what Andy Reid's saying. And he's, he's protecting him. It's a short week and everything. But he's definitely not starting this week because he's not, you know, lining up with the starters. If he's active for this game and not starting, that that. Have you weird. ever noticed how easy it is to downplay an injury when you're not the one – when it's not your body? <laughs> sure. Right. I've had a high ankle sprain before. I'd have nightmares about facing J.J. Watt on a high oh ankle sprain, God. too. By the way, not to get off track, but I just want to once again throw out the top 10 picks in the 2013 NFL Draft. In order, Eric Fisher, Luke Jokel, Deion Jordan, Lane Johnson, Ezekiel Ansa, Ziggy, Ziggy, Ziggy. Uh, Barkevius Mingo, Jonathan Cooper, Tavon Austin, D. Milner and Chance Warmack. You have to go down probably Oof. to Sheldon Richardson where you before you find a true Ansa. bona fide. Ansa's good. Ansa's, Ansa's good. But not a Richardson, number one overall pick good, but he's good. If you redo that draft, you pull way more players out of that second. The second round is better than the first round. Yeah, Eifert at 21, that could shape into something nice. But Tavon Austin, to me, is like the poster child of that draft, other than Fisher and Jokel. Um, Wait, Tavon Austin has a play caller who can use him he, now. Maybe, yeah. Maybe the jury's out. But I remember there were so few like exciting players that so much buzz around Austin that the Rams went up and got him and gave up a lot to get him because there just simply wasn't a lot in that draft. Well, this is how bad that draft was. Tavon Austin has a very good chance to be the second best player taken in the top nine. Mm. Because I think... Not a big Lane Johnson fan, are you? I mean, he could be he could be better than than Lane Johnson. He's got a chance. Number right? one pick would be Le'Veon Bell. We let's um, let's pick these let's pick this game. At least three of us. No, um, I, I picked the Thursday night game. You oh, you do pick. Sure. Oh, thank you. We did it last oh, week. you're gonna bequeath that upon us. Thank you, the boss. We're going around. It's just I'm not. You Wait, know. hold on. What? You're picking games now? I don't know. I, I did pick. I've picked plenty of games. They're just saying, well, we did. We, you didn't think of it last week, and then we just went around and picked it. I'm not going to sit out. 
Mark, who you got? I remember when the Score, Chiefs please, were playing well. the Eagles on a night game and everyone thought the Chiefs were going to get destroyed, sandblasted, and they took care of business. I think this, this Chiefs team is going to win this game, and the score is going to be 28-21. to 21. Wes? Until I see Peyton Manning uh, play like a quarterback who's not a disadvantage to his team, I'm going to think the Chiefs are a better overall team mm. than the Broncos, so I'm going with the Chiefs. I think this will be... Peyton's in a, in a bad situation here, still learning the awesome. I think this will be seen as his, the, the nadir of his season, 28-10 Chiefs. Yeah, you guys are crazy. The Broncos' defense is the best group in this game to me. I, I would definitely take the Broncos. I think this is going to be their coming out party. That was one of the best defensive performances I think you'll see from any team all season, the one they had against the Ravens, where... Brandon Marshall and Trevathan being back. Nobody's disagreeing with you about the Broncos. Yeah, that's what I, mean. I just think they're so good on defense. Greg that, could add a hero that pick they're here. Gonna, they're going to take care of business. And if only your, picks, if if only your picks count, you could have a hero yeah, pick. We're talking two Manning pick sixes here. That's how you get to 28 points if you're the Ooh, Chiefs. Two. That's generous of you. It could be four. That guy is awful. Shot out of a cannon. Demarcus Ware looked like he was They might have the best quarterback old. duo in the league, Tlaib and uh, Harris. That, and they have Wade Phillips, who's the best defensive Wade Phillips coordinator is awesome. like ever done. I'll give you another like chance. Son of bum. I'll give you another uh, chance, Wes. Go get my lunch. Demarcus Ware and Von Miller versus J.J. I, Watt and Jadavian Clowney. I can't do it because I don't know how anybody ever blocks J.J. Watt. Six tackles for loss it. on Sunday tied a career high. All right. Behind the glass now. Hey, Brandon. How are you doing, by the way, Irishman? I'm doing quite well. Just listening to you guys, you know? <laughs> Excellent. It's an easy how job. How, how much time do you have left with us? Uh, October first. Oh. That that just <laughs> just for listeners, I that means that. with the company, not not life. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. I mean, well, you said <laughs> how much time you have left with us. You're still going to be continuing on breathing and doing be. lots of great McGinnis type of things. Brandon, do you want to know when you will run out of time? Period. Um. Sure. I can tell you. Sure. Go ahead. You will perish on <laughs> August fourteenth. This is dark. 2081. Oh, all right. Now I'm happy I said yes. That's not bad. No, not bad at all. What is that, like 88 or something? No, that shoot. That'll be, what, 81? I'll be 89. That means you could it's go do anything. You're not going to die. I'll yeah. sign off on that. Don't 89. take me into the 90s. Bang me out at about 86. Oh, put me on a boat and just send me out to sea. <laughs> yeah. Shoot some arrows with fire Don't want to see the I, 90s. I, I totally Make sure I'm dead keep, first. Keep me going. They might invent something. That, uh, that brings you back by the time. You'll I'm not even sure time. about the age. I lean toward that. You'll be a hideous monster <laughs> by that age. And you won't even have your faculties. I don't care what. I don't care. Just they'll be. Uh, I've delivered know. newspapers to some pretty sprightly 98-year-old women before. Yeah, oh, that's a good point. All right. Can we get uh, Connor Orr on the phone? Because i got to talk to Connor about a couple things. Is that possible? Okay. Connor, are you there? What's going on? There he is, did, Connor Orr. Did you hear Wes just say that he found uh, 98-year-old women attractive? <laughs> that was what I took about it. He said pretty sprightly. Pretty sprightly. sprightly. Classic yeah. non-journo yeah, move by Greg, getting that? the facts wrong. <laughs> hey, Connor, would you rather live till 88 or 102? Factoring um, all the things that would come with heading into a century. Definitely 102 because your burden of, like, having to be a productive member of society shrinks like That's the fair. point where you like you can just do anything and and nothing is like you don't get in trouble. So I would Can you imagine how great Madden will be? <laughs> That's true. That's another That's another transition. That is a nice transition. We are going to talk a little Madden because uh Connor, as we know, well, we'll get into it. We'll talk a little bit. But before we do that, we want to touch base with Connor. For those of you that are thinking a little 
uh, or you kidding me is coming up. Uh, no, not today. You know, it'll come a little down the road. We like to hit you with a little surprise on that. Um, but today we're going to talk, first of all, you were in Atlanta uh, for the Monday night game uh, between the Falcons and Eagles. Connor, can you tell us a little bit, I guess not so much about the game. We talked about that at length, although I'm sure you have great hot takes and you could read them at NFL.com. Uh, just what was the scene in Atlanta, the atmosphere? What's going on there? It's such a weird, like, you know, dichotomy now because you have this brand-new stadium being built, like, right next door to the Georgia Dome, and the Georgia Dome was electric last night. It was hmm. – and, and now we know that we know for sure that the crowd noise is completely organic. It was all the more impressive that this was this user-generated thing. I mean, these people were screaming their heads off for six minutes. Did that minutes. come off on TV? Because I didn't, I thought it was noticeable how much louder San Francisco sounded, and I was surprised by that. I thought there was a lot of Eagles fans there. Was that that the case? There was, and uh, one of the great things, like I, I was there on the field at about four o'clock, and it, one of my like favorite moments. This guy, they announced that the uh, the stadium was going to open, and about five minutes later, this drunk guy in a faded Brian Dawkins jersey just comes down, first guy into the arena. And just does the Eagles chant and screams. And then, like, Chip Kelly, Jason Peters, and, like, five Eagles are just staring at him. Because <laughs> you can hear him at any place in the Georgia. <laughs> it's incredible. Oh, that's awesome. How was the uh, locker room locker rooms after the games? I was surprised. You know, I, it was a little surprising just because I heard that Dan Quinn was such a high-energy guy. And coming from, like, covering Rex Ryan team. The locker room party goes on for hours. Like it's there's music until like midnight for a, for a night game. And you know for Dan Quinn it was it was like a five minute party. And then you know when you got back in it was just like a bunch of guys like you know and there's a table of like bazooka bubble gum and it's very quiet and that's it. And they you know they're on to next week. It was pretty impressive. One one of my uh, I guess most cherished memories uh, as a professional was the first time Mark you you were with me. First time we after the Giants beat the Patriots, our first Super Bowl we went to, and I was told, you know, you go down to the Giants locker room, and I was like, oh man, I'm gonna get like sprayed with champagne. It's gonna be crazy, and I remember just being stunned by how almost businesslike it was. Even after winning the Super Bowl, it's not like how you see maybe on TV and, and baseball or whatever, where you know they're putting tarps over the lockers and stuff. It's just kind of a different vibe in football, especially if you. Uh... Well, the year that the Giants beat the Patriots that same season, I accidentally somehow bypassed security, and I was in the Patriots locker room like 20 minutes before media was allowed in, and I ran in thinking I was late. And it's just this breathless, idiot, 22-year-old and a bunch of crying, grown men, and oh. like it was very, very uncomfortable. Awkward. I, yeah, that was very awkward. Well, you know, speaking of awkward, you love Madden football. Let's talk about that a little bit, because... We, we're fascinated by Connor, of course, as everyone knows, because he's a 26-year-old man uh, with a mortgage and a fiancé, and he, he has a haunted house that he has to upkeep with yard work and uh, various tasks. But this is not the type of stuff that most uh, men his age are involved with, but what Connor does to unwind, that, that 20-something guy in him is John Madden football. Uh, where you will, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Connor, sometimes you'll disappear when the in-laws are in town and you'll, you'll, you'll play a game just to get some, <laughs> I don't know, uh, angst out of you. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, you know, so, some men turn to drugs and others turn to John Madden football. And that's, uh, that's, that's really what I've got at this point. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's quite the vacation from reality. Yeah. And Connor has, 
um, shared with us that he doesn't just play like a season of Madden or doesn't play just exhibition games. He likes to play the franchise mode. And I thought we'd just, you know, just to end the show today, I just want to talk a little bit about what's going on right now in uh, Connor Orr's Madden existence. Uh, and, and I asked Connor to, you know, give me a quick rundown, uh, maybe something in email form that we could go through a little bit. But if you could just quickly, in the Cliff Notes version, Connor, explain to me first what's happening with your ownership of, surprisingly, the New, New England Patriots. So I, uh, I was, I was given the team. I was the highest bidder uh, because uh, th- in this scenario, it's sort of a dystopian NFL where Roger Goodell has basically imposed the death penalty on the Patriots, and every member of the organization has been fired, and Robert Kraft has been removed as owner. And uh, in addition to that, uh, in order to distract the fan base from kind of this radical surge in power. He's also uh, put every player in the entire league into a fantasy draft, and everyone <laughs> needs to reselect their entire roster. So that's so, kind of – it's tough. It's what I'm dealing with right now. So if I have this right, basically all the dirt on the Patriots stuck, and it led to this uh, uh, rash decision or a major landmark decision by the NFL to just reboot the whole machine. Exactly. Like, essentially, Jay Glazer showed the Spygate tapes. Okay, and, and now now we're here. This All is right. basically Dan and Connor's fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps I like the sound of this. So thing. let's let's go down the list real quick. A few bullet points. Um, uh, I asked Connor just to send me some, you know, the challenges facing this team that he's now running. Uh, so let's do it. Let's let's do some news around the Patriots. <laughs> All right. The first bullet. This was sent to me from Connor. Balancing the commissioner's strong desire for a safer and more rule-abiding face of the franchise against the massive disappointment from the fan base that this person ended up being Griff Whalen. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, the Colts wide receiver, former uh, undrafted free agent. Interesting. So when I was sitting, you know, uh, atop the, you know, midway through the first round, uh, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to not only satisfy Boston's need for plucky whiteness, but mm. I'm also trying mm. to kind of placate the commissioner here. So, you know, what more uh, could you ask for than sort of a, you know, high motor, uh, you know, uh, high, you know, high efficiency slot type receiver? You know? So you build so the franchise that, around. How about Philip yeah. Rivers or someone that can play football better? Well, you know, true also to Patriot form, and this will kind of come into play down the season, my genius that's involved in this, is that also (laughs) necessary in order to run this franchise the right way, there has to be a certain haughtiness towards how Mm. late you drafted your quarterback. And so that's definitely going to come into play. See, everything everything is thought of. Uh, Next bullet. Distracting the fan base with the installation of a Chip Kelly-esque three-quarterback system that utilizes the strengths of Mike Glennon, Terrell Pryor, and Brad Sorensen without taking the focus <laughs> away from Waylon. And not take the focus away from Griff, but you're going to have some deep draft guys and you're going to build around that. Yeah, so, I, you know, the main concern here is, is kind of where the media is going to go with this. Um, I know that, you know, after studying Chip Kelly, a lot of the fascination will be about what I'm trying to do on the field. Sure. Off the Naturally. field, we're built, we're, we're built around Griff, and this is kind of the direction that we're going to go in. He's going to be the face of the, of the franchise. But 
I don't want him to be upset when, you know, every Monday, you know, there's cameras around Terrell's locker and Brad's locker and, and, and Mike's locker and, you know, not as much him. So we're really, you know, it's, it's week one, but it's something that I've, I've got my PR people on. Right, are so you please. sure drugs are not involved in this? <laughs> what is the strength of Brad Sorensen? Well, so, you know, I, I can kind of, it's really quick, really quick, can kind of break it down where Terrell Pryor will – will run all verticals and then just QB sneak. And Mike Glennon will kind of do anything that involves like a rope arm. And then Brad Sorensen is kind of the cerebral nerve center of the whole thing. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) At all points, regardless of what quarterback's on the field, he will have the microphone and tell me. So... All right. But the seventh round draft pick of the Chargers in 2000. Southern Utah. You gotta, you gotta admit everything. I had to Google him. There's logic behind anything. Uh, next up, uh, you're narrowing down potential relocation spots. So you're leaving the New England region <laughs> oh, while simultaneously avoiding any locations the commissioner feels mm. will make the Patriots franchise suspicious by association. For example, uh, movies like The Town and The Departed, which are eating away at the potential branding efforts. Uh, for the moment, the leading candidates are Orlando, Columbus, no. Columbus Ohio, mm. uh, Portland, or Houston, mm. uh, give, which would give the, the town a distinct Jets-Giants feel, Connor believes. Houston, <laughs> I like it. We need the Oilers back. What about Hartford? Remember when Kraft was going to move him to Hartford? No one remembers that. Hartford, well, I still they need feel something. Like, I still feel like that sort of New Englandy A and B it is. is with the new Whitey Bulger movie coming out, that's just a chance we can't take. At this <laughs> that's yeah. fair. That's a yep. huge concern for us. And Orlando is beautiful not only because it's, it's Florida, but uh, just a great destination for uh, any potential condo owners. The stadium might be built out of condominiums. We don't know. So. <laughs> Orlando is the armpit of America. Well, you got the concrete whoa. capital of the world. Whoa, 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 whoa. I think Florida has enough professional football teams, though. That, Wait, we went to Connor, question. You've built the entire team around a Caucasian possession receiver to appease New England and Boston. Makes sense, but you're moving them. Yeah, no, that's well, fair. You know, the the second part of this is is that we believe that Boston, you know, which is such a rational fan base, will follow us. And I think wow, that is, that is bold. Thing, you know, we're really depending on the even keeled and just uh, you know, kind of straight emotion fans of Boston. So you're to understand you're trying to your goal is to double dip a, a fan base here. That's interesting. Absolutely. And yeah, finally, I, the last point, and this one. You know, this one is interesting. This just shows the attention to detail that Connor is putting into this. He's uh, resetting the price of French fries. Uh, he uses the royal we here. We are currently charging more than 35% of the National Football League. And French fries. This one isn't even, like, funny. Like, I got into, like, I started playing the game, and I got, like, a notification that said, like, there's a problem with how much we're charging for French fries. Like, oops. Wait, this is true? This is incredible. This is true, yeah. So you yeah, did so, you lower the prices or you just ride and ride or die with the thirty five percent jack up? Lowered the price of French fries, but then sneakily raised the price of peanut soda. <laughs> so there you go. There is the update on uh Connor's new franchise. Is it remaining the Patriots? Well, uh, you know, at this point we're gonna have like kind of a Facebook poll going with fans, but Smart. I'm just saying the Columbus Aviators have a nice ring to it. 
Oh, well, there you heard it here first. The New England Patriots might soon become the, the Columbus Aviators. That, according to NFL media insider Connor Orr. Connor, thank you for joining us, and uh, you know, keep us up to date on everything that's going on with the Aviators. You bet, fellas. No problem. Uh, Thanks, Connor. Oh, I would read a massive ongoing blog about that, and I would get the minute I got home, I would read updates every day. Greg didn't seem too into that. I don't know. Well, I didn't like how he was destroying uh, the Patriots <laughs> franchise and taking him to Columbus or wherever. Orlando. Orlando, Orlando would, would be the real bad. That would be the pits. That's insulting. Oh. I like a dual Houston operation. A city that has no sense of, we don't, in no way do we need two, two teams in Houston, but let's do it. <laughs> All right. So there you go. That is Connor Orr. We, uh, we are out of time uh, today, so that is it. We, uh, we are, we'll be back, though, however... On Thursday night, early Friday, with our big Thursday night recap uh, and, fr and Sunday and Monday preview show, which we all get excited about every week. So football season is in full swing right here. And we'll talk about some other stuff cooking on Thursday with Wes and Mark. little teaser there. Until then, this is Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss, and Brandon behind the glass. Till then. Sunset. Mark Sessler is Quiet Storm. This show cannot end fast enough, and I have a sharply worded letter to hand to you, my friend. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.